So many of you have heard the invitation of Christ to believe in him and you've started to believe in him. Maybe you've been believing in him. Maybe you've heard the invitation of Christ, come follow me. And you heard that invitation, you've started to follow Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus and follow Jesus, he saves you. He transforms you. He gives you new life, forgives you, grants you access to his Father in heaven forever. And so believing and following Jesus is really an incredible choice that you make, a decision to say yes to Jesus. When you make that decision, is that all there is? You believe and you follow and you have a ticket to heaven. You get your one-way ticket to heaven. I got my ticket and my life is all about, I got my ticket out of hell. Or is there more? And there's, there's so much more than just saying, I, I, I want to go to heaven. I want to be forgiven. I want to be satisfied in Christ. There's so much more than that. When I believe in Jesus and I begin to follow Jesus, when I begin to follow Jesus, I can change the world. That may sound really huge to you, and you might go, no, that's not possible. But no, no, really, listen. When you follow Jesus, his design for you as sons and daughters of the living God is that you change the world. And when you hear that, you might think, well, you know, does he want me to change the world in my workplace, in economics or in politics or in teaching or in medical community or in financial? Of course, those are things that are important, but those are things down here that are really important, but, but they're going to end at some point when, when Jesus redeems you from hell and gives you heaven and access into his world, into his kingdom. He, he saves you and wants to bring you into something eternal and for you to be a part of something eternal that starts today and you can change the world eternally today in the lives of people around you. We all have coworkers, neighbors, family, friends. Can you imagine if those people had a relationship with Jesus? If the people in your life that you love the most, that you hang out with the most, that you spend holidays with, if they had a relationship with Jesus, you might go, that could never happen. I mean, you don't know my family. You don't know the guys I bowl with. Like they will never have a relationship with Jesus. You know that that's what people said about you? And yet the King of Kings and Lord of Lords rescued you. Can you imagine if they had, what would it take for the people in your life, family, friends that you love, that you work with, what would it take for them to come to know Jesus? What would it take? It, there'd be a lot of things you can't control that it would take, but there's something you can control. You can share your experience of Jesus with other people. You can talk about what you love and what's changed you. You can share those things with people and that's what God has for us. That one person at a time, we can be used by God to change someone's eternal destiny. You go, no way, I don't know enough. I mean, I, there's no way. He doesn't care about how much you know. It's about who you know. If Jesus has changed you, you go, man, my life is too messy. I'm a hypocrite. If you knew what was going on inside me, if what really took place inside me was visible to everybody, there's no way God could use me. Yeah, he's in the business of using broken people like you and me to share his love in a way that transforms people. See, the point isn't that I get personal satisfaction, forgiveness in Jesus. That's not the point. That is so personal and self-centered. He has invited us into his family, into his kingdom, to expand his kingdom, the world to change one person at a time through you. 
and through me. It's an incredible invite. And that's what we're going to see in this last scene of the woman at the well. So we've been working with this story in John chapter 4, and we're going to be in verse 27 today. But we've looked at this over a number of weeks, this woman at the well, and she has this interaction with Jesus, and it changes her forever, and it changes the lives of other people. And so just to catch you up, we've kind of talked through this over the last number of weeks together. Jesus is going, uh, walking along a road. He's tired. He sits down at a well. He's hungry. He sends his disciples to get food. He's sitting at a well in a place called Samaria. He's a Jewish guy. And he asks a woman who's alone at the well. So it's Jesus, the Jewish guy, alone at the well. A Samaritan, a woman, alone at the well. And he asks her for something to drink. And she goes, no, 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 you don't ask me those things because Jews don't talk to Samaritans and men don't talk to women in public. For you to ask me for a drink, this is scandalous. You don't do this. And Jesus goes, I don't go by cultural new. I don't do the cultural things. I do what's right and loving. And so he asks this woman for a drink and she goes, what? And he says, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink and I'd give you something that would satisfy you, that would cause you to never have to come back to this well again. And she's like, I want that. And Jesus, in his gentleness, puts his finger on an aspect of her life that's preventing her from following and believing. You see, this woman has had five husbands, and she's on to the sixth now. And we don't know exactly why, but we know that in their society, when she's had five husbands and she's on to the sixth, She's ashamed of that, and that's why she came at noon, and she's a social outcast. And Jesus says to her, I know you, and I can change you, and I love you. I am the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and I can help you. And the water I will give you will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life, that the transformation I can do in you, the forgiveness I can do, the shame I can push out, the transformation I can do in you and everyone who believes and follows me will make you into something different, a spring that starts to serve other people. You see, there's so much more than just personal satisfaction and forgiveness with Jesus. He's got a purpose for his sons and daughters that goes way beyond you and me. He wants us to change the world one person at a time through the love we share. And so you got to check out what happens next. So it's this one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus and this woman. Verse 27, we pick up the story. Here's what happens next. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with this woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? You see, his posse shows up and sees, this is a scandalous scene. One-on-one, -on -one, Jew and Samaritan, man and woman, you guys are talking one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus, why are you talking to her? I mean, you can just imagine their body language, their eyes going, really, Jesus? If this gets out, that you're talking to this woman, what will people think? What will people do? Jesus doesn't care about that. They say nothing to him. Verse 28, then... Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. I love this. She leaves her water jar and goes back. So they're having this one-on-one -on -one conversation. As soon as the guys show up, she takes off. She drops her water jar there. It's so interesting to me because her purpose in coming to the well was to get water. Now, the thing that she came to do to get water and bring it to her house, she goes, that's not important. She sets that water jar down and leaves. 
Because when she came, the water, physical water, what was, was most important to her, but what she bumped into was something so much greater. And this is John's way, the author's way of showing us that she came for something physical, something immediate, something she wanted. And she set that down because she bumped into love and truth and grace that changed her. And so, leaving her water jar, verse 28, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Leaving her water jar, she goes back to town, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? You see, she experienced in this interaction with Jesus satisfaction, something so much more than water, satisfaction that changed her and caused her to go back to town and be a spring of satisfaction to others. She discovered something that changed her. And she runs back to town and she says, did you see your words? She says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. I mean, Jesus didn't tell her everything she ever did. Why does she say that? It's her way of saying, Jesus knows me. He knows the good He knows the bad, he knows the ugly, he knows everything about me, and he doesn't condemn me, he loves me. She runs back to town and says, there's a guy who knows everything about me, good, bad, and ugly, he loves me. Maybe, just maybe, he's the Messiah, the savior of the world. You know, something happened in the well where she's changed. Jesus changes her. Verse 30, they came out of town and made their way toward him because when a woman like this, who is a social outcast, who lives in hiding and doesn't run with the crowds, when she runs back to town into the crowd and says, you got to come and see. This guy knows everything about me. And so people go, if somebody knows everything about her and she's saying, I'm going to go find out what's going on. I want to know what she's so excited about. Verse 31 through 38, Jesus has this interesting interaction with his disciples. I'm going to return to that in a moment. I'm going to set that over here because I just want to keep going with this storyline of this woman right now in verse 39. She, she leaves her water jar. She runs to town. Come and see every, this man who told me everything. They, they go, okay. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. If he knows her and loves her, then I want to know him because maybe he would accept me too. And they start to believe in him. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed. Jesus stayed with them two days. And because of his words, Many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Jesus has this one-on-one interaction with her. She comes looking for physical water, finds satisfaction that fills her heart with love, peace and acceptance. She puts her trust in Jesus. She goes back to town, tells them they all come to listen because why not? And then Jesus speaks to them too. He hangs for two days, talks to them, teaches them, probably heals them, does what Jesus does when he interacts with people. 
and they say, you know what? You told us about this guy. Now we believe because of our own personal experience, we know that this man, Jesus, isn't just a person. He is the Savior of the world, the Son of God. How incredible is this account? I mean, do you really notice what's going on here? That one person who believes in Jesus can change a community? I mean, that's what we have here. This woman experienced something that changed her, and it so changed her that she couldn't help sharing what she had experienced with other people. And she didn't know everything. She didn't use polished words. She just cared enough to say, you got to come and see. you got to come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So humble, so authentic to her story. And because of that, an entire community of people believe in Jesus. And you might go, what's the big deal? They believed in Jesus. But if you understand the Bible and you understand the condition of humanity and you know who God is, then you know that when people believe in Jesus, that their, their community went from darkness to light. That that community of people, an entire community of people, went from sin to forgiveness. They went from being ashamed of their sin to being free from their sin. They went from death spiritually to life spiritually because one woman believed in Jesus and she was willing to take that story, that experience to her community. Why is this so exciting to me? It's so exciting to me because in every aspect of our lives, in our world, in history, change always starts with one person. Incredible change always starts with one person. So don't ever think that one life, your life, don't think that your life, your experience, your words, your example, your work, your world doesn't matter. You can make a difference in the lives of people. One act of love, one act of patience, one act of grace, one act of mercy, one truth spoken at the right time and the right way can change the course of eternity for the people around you. But we so often go, nah, I don't matter. Nah, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I love. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I've experienced. And that's a lie. Because this woman changed the course of history. She changed the world because of her experience that she just shared. I want to be clear, though. This is one broken person who believed in Jesus and changed this community. I mean, it's incredible to think she's the outcast. She's the person in her high school that gets voted most likely not to succeed. That girl. She's the girl that gets whispered about. The, world, the girl that people say, avoid her. Yet, she puts her faith in Jesus. And she becomes the spokesman, the spring of living water that other people, she cared enough to go say, here's what I've learned. She didn't preach a sermon. She didn't use the right Bible verses. 
She didn't even have complete understanding. She simply understood that she went to that well and felt ashamed, and she left that well feeling loved. She went there feeling like an outcast, and she went back into a community of people and become a spokesman for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's never too broken. You are never too broken to be used, and I know I know what some of you feel. You feel like I haven't arrived yet. I can't say anything. If people really saw my life, if you really knew how I handled my finances, if you really understood my circumstances, my home life, my friend relationships, if you knew my addictions, my problems, there's no way he could use me. Oh, yes, he can. He has built an entire kingdom and his entire family through broken mouthpieces through people like you and me who are just stumbling along, trying to figure it out, trying to follow as best we can. And when we say, come and see to our friends and neighbors, we actually show the world love. You see, the world has changed when I love people enough to say, come and see. When I love people enough, when I see beyond my needs and myself and my circumstances, sometimes when I see beyond my own sin and shame and mistakes and imperfections, when I see beyond those things and go, wait, you redeemed me, saved me to use me to advance your kingdom, that I could love people enough to simply say, come and see the one who loves me. Come and see the one who's accepted me. Come and see the one that's begun to change me. Come to my my house, you're always welcome here. Come to lunch with me, you're always welcome. Come to my church, come to my small group, come to my Bible study, come to my church's tree lighting, come and see Jesus. Just simple, basic, practical things. You see, what that person does when you say come and see isn't your responsibility. How someone hears What they do with Jesus, what they choose to think about Jesus, that's above our pay grade. My responsibility, my privilege, my joy is, Jesus, you've changed me, you've accepted me, you've loved me, me, so I'm going to share your love with other people. What they do with it isn't my issue. It's not my responsibility above my pay grade, but I can be a mouthpiece of yours to others. Let me be clear You say come and see to people you have a relationship with. Don't go out and start slamming people on the corner with a megaphone telling them turn or burn. Don't don't do that. As you have a relationship with people, as you build relationships with coworkers and family and people you do hobbies with and people you interact with, Over time, as they see in you change, you prayerfully, gently, graciously, at the right time in the right way, say, Jesus is the one who's changed me, and he's the one that's made all the difference in my life. You do it in your words and in your way as you walk with Jesus hand in hand and say, who do you want me to share with next? You don't just go beating people up with this message. This isn't about preaching. It's about loving and inviting people with gentleness and graciousness and truth, come and see the one who's changed me. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. But God so loved the world that he took Jesus back to be at his side, and he left you. He gave the world you to be his grace 
and his truth and his love and his patience and his kindness that he would use us? Incredible. But that's what he wants to do. When I say come and see Jesus, what people do with that, it's their job, their responsibility. Mine, let me share with you the love I've experienced. Incredible that he gives us this purpose. I want to return to to the side of the conversation Jesus had with his disciples back in 31, verse 31. Remember, his disciples leave, and they leave Jesus alone to go buy food. They return to find him talking to this woman, and they don't say anything. She leaves her jar, and she runs off, right? And now they're just alone. Him and his disciples, she just ran off to town, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Interesting. The disciples are trying to take care of Jesus. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He sits down at the well. They come to Jesus and they urge him. Hey, Jesus, eat something. They're Italian. Come on, manja, eat something, eat something, eat something. They're doing a good thing here. And Jesus is like, no, my food is not something you get yet. You don't understand. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. In this moment, he's trying to show his disciples his priorities. His priorities aren't this physical food to eat. It's something eternal and bigger and cosmic. His food is to follow God and love God and honor God and share this love with people here on earth. And that's his priority But I want you to notice something that's happening in John's gospel in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now, this is the third time Jesus flips the tables over on people. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? Jesus said to the woman at the well, I have living water for you. And she's like, what? Now he says to his disciples, my food is to do the will of my father. And they're like, what? Three different times in two chapters, he answers people in a way that confuses them. Has that ever happened to you? Where you're seeking answers, you're trying to understand your circumstances, your life, your relationships, your immediate problems that need to be solved, the circumstances of every day, you're trying to understand it, and Jesus sounds like he's talking in parables, talking around you, you don't understand, why don't you just speak plainly, Jesus, why don't you just say it like it is, why do you flip the conversation and change things, just tell me, answer what's going on in the here and now, why does he talk this way? What he's doing for his disciples then, what he's doing for us now, is he's inviting us to see past the immediate to the eternal, to learn to follow him to learn to follow him past the immediate, the things that we think, the things that we feel, the things that we want, the things that we worry about, the things that we stress about in the here and now. He's trying to invite us to look up past that to things that are eternal, things that are lasting, things that won't end. You see, this physical body is going to die, then what? This food that we're going to eat this afternoon, this water that we're going to drink, 
we're going to eat it and drink it, and then we're going to have to keep eating and drinking, and we'll always keep eating and drinking, then what? My relationships, my job, my spouse, my kids, my popularity, my fame, the trends, success, failure, houses, cars, all the things that occupy immediate here and now. Jesus is saying, I want you to look up past that for just a moment and follow me. I want you to see beyond this immediate because all this immediate stuff is going to end. All of it will be over at some point. Then what? What happens then? He's inviting us to look up. You see, when you start to see past immediate to the eternal, that's when you start wrestling with belief. And until you look past the immediate, you'll never wrestle with believing. And so many times we're so distracted down here with food, water, jobs, clothes, success, fame, Instagram, technology, all this stuff that we don't look up and believe or not believe until it all hits the fan, and then we go, maybe there's more, and Jesus is saying, no, there is so much more. Look up to that which is eternal, and if you look up to what's eternal, and you follow me with what's eternal, I will take care of what's immediate. Trust me, follow me, but if you never look up past immediate, to eternal, you will never see your coworkers and friends as hopeless and lost. You will never see the real needs of people around you if you're fixated on your needs. Christ follower, son and daughter of the living God, if it's about you and your needs and your growth and your understanding and your life and your everything, you will never see the eternal destiny of the people in your neighborhood or your family that are hurt and hopeless and lost because you're putting up Christmas lights and stuffing a turkey. We're all doing it. But he's saying, I want you to look up and see real people who are hurting and you have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords inside you. And you're thinking about you and your Bible study and your growth and your transformation and your family and your circumstances when there is a generation of people around you that are hurt and hopeless and are dying. Look up and trust me, follow me. When I put my trust in Jesus, he invites me to see people and to see that he sent me he sent his son and took his son back to be at the right hand of God the Father and he sent you to show the love and the grace and the mercy of God to your family, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, not in a preachy way, not in a sales pitch way, not in a manipulative way, none of that in a loving, prayerful way. Can I see people when I'm in sports and I'm on the, at school and in the work environment at Wawa, do I see people as hopeless and helpless and realize I have the good news of Jesus in my heart that I can share and say, come and see. 
Come and see the one who knows me and loves me and accepts me. And in your way and in your time, you can change the world one person at a time. What an incredible privilege. What an incredible job description that's so much beyond, I just got a ticket to heaven and I'm going to learn more about God while I wait to get there, that I could be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. No, he's inviting us to just say to our friends and family, come and see the one who knows me and loves me. He'll change your life forever. Pray with me. Incredible God, that you would be this patient with us and this kind to us, to not give us what we deserve, what our sins deserve, but instead send your only Son to live and die and rise again that we might have hope. Thank you for this woman 2,000 years ago, an outcast, ashamed, but you spoke life into her. You didn't condemn her, you loved her. And you spoke life into her and she became, through your grace and truth, the first one to proclaim this good news to others, that you would choose an outcast. But that's what you always do. You do things we can't understand and explain to show your grace and your love, your power, your kindness. So take us, broken people, and use us as sons and daughters of yours in this place today. Pick our eyes up. Help us to look past food and water and physical things to eternal things that matter most. Help us to walk with you, trust you, obey you, and in our way and in our time, point people to the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, who can change every heart. Help us to be agents of your grace and love and advance your family, your kingdom today. In Christ's strong name, amen.